0: Last week I introduced a series of messages that I believe has the potential to really shape our lives, our Christian walk, our families, our church and our community. You know, As we live in this really fast-flowing stream of culture, I find it's affecting us in so many different ways. We are getting busier and busier, I'm sure you can relate to that. Our lives are getting more compressed, there's stress, there's marriage stress, family stress, mortgage stress, relationship stress. Uh, Our our studies, our careers, our rosters, our commitments, all these things are affecting our pace that I'm finding, for me, is certainly too fast to maintain. Now, during COVID, I've heard a lot of positive um, aspects of it, people have really enjoyed slowing down. They enjoyed having to, well, they couldn't go out, they couldn't go to movies, they couldn't go to sport, Uh, kids were at school, I'm sorry, kids weren't at school, they were at home, Uh, people working from home, and so many people really enjoyed the pace slowing down in COVID, but now I've discovered, now that our, our nation is on its way out of COVID, I've discovered that that pace is back. People were, were trying to hold on to it, but all of a sudden we're finding ourselves busy again and stressed again and, and time poor and our commitments are, are more than we can manage. You know, in 1989, Billy Joel, uh, he wrote a song that was based on a conversation he had regarding what life was like in the 50s and life was like in the 80s. The song was we didn't start the fire and and the lyrics uh have a line that says we didn't start the fire no we didn't light it but we tried to fight it you know he goes through in those 30 years from the 50s to the 80s listing all the things that happened and this this sense in the song of this of this tiredness and frenzy was coming in you know that was 1989 now add to 1989 another 20 30 years of of culture things are been going, and back in 89 there was hardly any personal computers, the internet wasn't born as, as we know it today. There was no Netflix, there was no iPhones, there was, there was none of that. And so since Billy Joel wrote his song to now, things have got faster and faster and hotter and hotter. You know, you're probably thinking, Mark, there's got to be a better way. And I believe that there is. In fact, Jesus summed it up really well in Matthew chapter 28. He said this, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. Is there anyone here that feels like their, their life is lost to the stream? Can be. Jesus says, Come to me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live lightly and freely. I guess even in Jesus' day the people were worn out, tired, fatigued by the busyness that their world presented. And he gave them the same invitation that he gives to us today, because the answer to the chaos and the clutter of the world is found by coming to Jesus. It's only by coming to Jesus that we will find rest. And I believe it's it's by swimming to the side of the stream where the water does flow slower that we will find true rest for our souls. I used to think that you know if I just followed Jesus's teaching that would be enough. You know if I just went through my Bible, read or, read all the letters that are written in red. The, uh, the words of Jesus and just followed them, I'd think that'd be enough. But just by obeying those red letters, that, that still can leave us floundering in the, in the river. Yes, we'd do really well to consider his teaching and it's really important that we do that, especially as his disciples. But I think we also would do really well to consider his lifestyle, consider his focus, consider his priorities, consider his activities. More than just wondering what would Jesus do or what would Jesus say, think about how would Jesus walk? What would his pace through life be? And that's the journey we're on as a church, to discover what it really means to come to Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus. You know, probably a better word for us today is the word apprentice. You know, it's where you uh, spend time with your tradesman, you learn from him, and you, ultimately your goal is to, uh, to pick up the business and do the same as a plumber or a builder or, or a mechanic, an apprentice of Jesus. So, as I read the accounts in the Gospels of Jesus inviting his disciples, do you remember what Jesus said to them? He said two simple words. He said, Follow me. Notice he just didn't turn up and say, Look, guys, just believe in me and all, and you will go to heaven. He was very straightforward. He just simply said, Follow me. So, we're not talking about, and today follow is a different word. You know, we're not talking about following Jesus on Instagram or Facebook or checking out his food blogs. Or checking out his photos of flowers or his latest do-it-yourself project that he's been working on in his carpenter's uh, little workshop. We're not talking about his family snaps or his holiday snaps. Being a follower of Jesus is different than just following him on social media where you're sort of loosely interested in his activities and what he's doing. Because being a follower of Jesus is radically different. And it requires something that I believe is coming rare to find in today's society and it's probably something that we always that we probably don't like to talk about much today words like commitment words like sacrifice and i know as soon as i said those two words a number of you probably went oh i'm getting uncomfortable with what mark's saying in this message well let's listen to what jesus said in mark chapter 8 verse 34 it says then calling the crowd to join his disciples he said if any of you wants to be my follower you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? Now, these are really incredibly challenging words from Jesus. Now, regardless of the song that Frank Sinatra sang, Jesus is, not, Jesus is saying, I can't follow him and do it my way. Lovely song. But what Jesus is saying, you know, we, we can't do it our own way. We can't do it the, the, the way that the world wants us to do it. We can't do it the way our friends want us to do it. it. It doesn't work. I've tried. You've tried. If we want to be a follower of Jesus, we can't do it our own way. It doesn't work. It doesn't go well. So if we are really going to be followers of Jesus, then we need to do it his way. And there's some really good reasons for that. Look at what Jesus says in John 10.10. Jesus said that the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But my purpose, Jesus' purpose, is to give them, which is you and me, a rich and a satisfying life. This is Jesus' goal for you and your family, a rich and a satisfying life. Other translations put it this way, I have come so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Or I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Or I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Now, Jesus just isn't talking about our eternal promise. This is Jesus' goal for his disciples, for his followers. He's not guaranteeing us prosperity or an easy life. But what he does guarantee when we come to him, that we will find rest for our soul and fulfillment in the midst of this crazy mess of life. So this kind of life that Jesus is offering to each one of us, you know, it just won't happen by itself. Just coming to church or watching it online or or turning up now and then—that's not going to make it happen. Just uh, getting through your reading your Bible in a year plan, and that's a great idea. But just doing that—that's not going to make. That's not going to help you experience the the fullness of life that Jesus has for you. Just memorizing the first five books of the Bible or giving more money—those things aren't going to really help you receive the life that Jesus is offering you. I've discovered even going to Bible college or Bible school, even just doing that doesn't really give us the life that Jesus offers. And so ultimately that's found in, in slowing down and coming to him. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, we come across a famous set of teachings from Jesus. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And it's where Jesus gives his followers practical teaching on what it's like to live in his kingdom, to live as his disciples. And time and time again, Jesus refers to the popular teaching of the time. Then he puts a new emphasis on it. You hear Jesus say things like, You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, love your enemies and do good to those who persecute you. So Jesus, uh, he reverses or undoes or puts a new twist on living life in his kingdom. And here we see the master rabbi at work. He's talking about his yoke. He's talking about his application of living life in the world he's called us to live but it's really important to note something right here that we can only live the life that Jesus is calling us to by being yoked to him being connected to his strength his power and his grace it's a partnership of Jesus and me because it's he Jesus is the one who gives me the power and the grace to live the life he's calling me to it's it's not about me it's not about my way it's about being yoked it's being about being connected to to what Jesus is and as you read through the Sermon on the Mount it's pretty radical teaching and it's pretty challenging and often it's really messy. You know, I encourage you to have a read of it when you get the chance. It teaches us how we can live as His disciples. It talks about praying, talks about fasting, talks about money, talks about anger, talks about adultery, talks about a lot of practical things that are very uh, interesting and helpful for us as we seek to live as His followers. But right at the very end of this teaching in Matthew chapter 7 Verse twenty four. Jesus says this: Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because because it is built on bedrock. But if anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. In that passage is another word none of us like. If you are a, a kid, a, a child, if you've there's a word. The word is obey. Who likes that word? Not many of us. You know what? You may not like it as a child. As you grow older, we still don't like that word. But Jesus was really clear. If we want our lives to stand strong in the storms of life, yes, listening to his teaching is a good start, but it's more than listening. It's, it's, it's following Him. It's putting His advice into practice. It's acting on them. It's doing something about it. It starts on the inside with our hearts, and, if, and it reflects on our outsides. You see, for us, Jesus' teaching isn't a set of rules to live by. It, it's a way of life He's calling us to live. The, the way of Jesus isn't just a hobby we do on Sundays or, or during the week two or three times when we feel like it. The way of Jesus is a lifelong journey. And it's going to take a lifetime of practice to achieve that, or to or to walk fully the way he's called us to live. Now, anyone who's really good at anything knows exactly what I mean. Perhaps you're a, a, a musician or a sportsman, or you've been working at learning a second language. You know, to become good at those things, it takes something. It takes discipline. It takes practice. You know, I want to really highlight a point right now because you're going to miss something if all you're hearing is that I'm saying, Mark, you've got to practice. What I'm not saying, I'm not saying I want you to go home and this week to read the Sermon on the Mount and do everything you can and try hard. And if you fail, keep trying because you know what? That doesn't work because it's not about trying. It's about training and understand that God has given us all that we need to live the kind of life he's calling us to live through his very presence, his spirit in us. I heard a great illustration that might really help you. So let's pretend that you are maybe a little out of shape and a little overweight. Now for some of you that may not be that hard to pretend, for some of you that might be like totally beyond your imagining. But let's just pretend you are and, and you've decided to run the Olympic 43 kilometer marathon. You know, and in case you don't know, 43 kilometers that's a long way to run. So how are we going to do this? Do we just wake up tomorrow morning, uh, have a coffee, eat some donuts and head out to the track and just start running? What would happen? What do you think would happen? You'd probably end up passed out on the side of the track, just panting and hoping someone would just scoop you up and take you home. But you know what? If you had a super athlete beside you, now we've got a couple of super athletes in our church. Some of them run the Port Macquarie Ironman. Hey, did you know that in the Port Macquarie Ironman, they've got to swim for 3.8 kilometres and they've got to ride for 180 kilometres, then they've got to run for 42 kilometres. Now, let's imagine some of our super athletes, maybe Ned or Duncan, that they were to run with us on our first lap. You know, I'm sure they could encourage us. Maybe they could even lay hands and pray for us and help us to accomplish this marathon. But you know what? In the end, with all their praying and trying and encouragement, I'd, I probably would still pass out before I get a few laps under my belt. So how should we run a marathon? And I know all of you know this, well, maybe tomorrow we can just get up and, and walk to the End of the street and back again, or jog, and maybe the next day we can come and have a, 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 a run around the track, do one lap perhaps, and maybe the next day you could good tip is maybe drop the donuts and drop the coffee and, and maybe run two laps or jog or walk, and day by day coming and training and disciplining yourself, growing and expanding and stretching your ability, you know, uh, you to to go further to do more, you know, eating healthier running a little more each week do more training so right now you're probably if you're like me you probably couldn't run more than one lap without an ambulance or a defibrillator so a 43 kilometer marathon that is just totally impossible for you to even consider let alone the Port Macquarie Ironman but I tell you what but with training and time and commitment at some stage your body will be at a position where what seems impossible now can be possible later. The reality is we just need to start where we are at. Now, I'm not too sure how you would rate your spiritual health. Maybe you are a little out of shape. Maybe you're carrying some stuff, some extra baggage that, that you could probably lose. Maybe some attitudes, behaviours, mindsets. I know there are things that I would do really well in my, in my race that I'm called to run to let go of. Pride shame fear attitudes and i'm sure you've got your own list In fact, don't use mine use your own list but maybe you feel a long way off being the person god's called you to be well my encouragement to each one of us today is just start where you are at just start where you are at and with the holy spirit's help as our coach that we can stretch a little bit more grow a little bit more run a little bit further trust him a little bit more even rest a little bit more yeah and all those type of things we can do every day now it's really easy to say look i want to be with jesus and i want to become like jesus and all of us would put our hands up to that type of invitation but over these coming weeks i want to talk about some really practical dimensions on what it means to explore the practices of jesus doing what jesus did how he walked Now, this is really exciting because as we look at what Jesus did and and how we can do that, we're going to explore things like prayer, fasting, work, rest. We're going to be talking about spiritual disciplines. We're going to be looking at how Jesus brought his kingdom to earth, bringing justice and peace and righteousness and freedom and healing and hope into our community. And we are going to explore what that looks like in 2020 in Newcastle. In your context, wherever you are at, in this digital age that we live in maybe whether you're single or married whether you're at home or you've left home as an empty nester or a teenager whether you've started university or you're a grandparent whether you're new to faith exploring christianity or you've been a christian for a long time we want to start with you and and help you to see wherever you are in this river of life that we're journeying we want to help you swim to the edge to find jesus and come to jesus to be with him to become like him and to walk like Jesus walked. You know, I just wanted to thank you for willing to be part of this journey. I want you to remember that is, this is not about you doing more or trying harder or beating yourself up when you make mistakes. It's about running the course that Jesus has called each one of us to run. And it'll be different. Your course will be different to mine, but it's about getting up when we fall. And when we understand that the Holy Spirit helps us to train our hearts and train our minds and train our, our, uh, our disciplines to be the people that he calls us to be he's going to help us what do you think about that are you up for that i'm certainly up for the journey so let's pray father god i thank you that you're with us i thank you for the invitation that jesus gives us to come to you the invitation that he gives us to follow him and to the invitation to wear his yoke and the opportunity that jesus gives us to change our lives through your spirit change our families and change our communities lord I pray that you'll help us to cast aside the things that are holding us back. Help us to, maybe it's our sin, maybe it's our attitude, maybe it's our shame, maybe it's our fear, whatever it is, Lord, that's holding us back. Help us to cast it away in order that we can run the race that you have called us to run. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So thanks for your time. And I'm looking forward to sharing the journey with you over the next weeks. And I want to give the final words to the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 he says this friends don't get me wrong by no means do i count myself an expert in all of this but i've got my eye on the goal where god is beckoning us onward to jesus i'm off and running and i'm not turning back i want to make that same declaration as paul how about you god bless